0: Yeah, we had a bit of a nightmare last week where usually I tick the button to record like from the start because you never know when, you know, the good stuff's going to come in and we had a really good chat <laughs> and then realised we weren't <laughs> we weren't actually recording. Easy mistake.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So we don't tend to have a big um, intro or anything, we just kind of roll with it. I don't know if you've listened to anything that we've done in preparation or you just kind of... Freestyling it and just coming in.
2: Yeah, I had a quick listen to the Heather Foulstock because I know Heather from, from Bath. So I had a quick listen to that. And yeah, it just, it did sound very nice and relaxed, which is good.
1: So it is just yeah. a conversation. There's nothing more than that. So I think, you know, this is Aaron. Aaron is a PT for, for how long now? 15 years? 15, 16 years
2: now. Yeah, it's flown by.
1: Yeah, I bet it has. It's been gone really fast. And during that time, you've done a fair bit, haven't you? I mean, I can remember when you were. Starting out, that's how long yeah, that, ago was, that is. Yeah, that
2: was we were playing rugby together, so that was when I was about 19, 20 years old. And I'm now 35. So yeah, 15, 16 years ago.
1: Yeah. And you've done quite a few things with your PT, haven't you, since then?
2: Yeah, I always have a bit of a, uh, 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 kind of more of a holistic approach than anyone else. I, even when I did my personal training course, I did massage alongside it. Um, I was always just a bit more interested about what was going on. Um, and going a bit deeper rather than just movement stuff and so uh, over the last 15 years I've developed that in a multitude of different ways but predominantly in the last uh, 10 years I've been doing qigong which is a bit like tai chi so that and breath work to
1: to get a lot more from my clients which has been an amazing journey for me over the last 10 years so the qigong is quite interesting because I mean I can remember coming across that I had a patient when I first started nursing 17 years ago but was really interested it, kind of touched on it and then kind of left it behind. But uh, I know recently, it's kind of, I say recently, so the last couple of years, it seems to have been moving more into mainstream, maybe, maybe mainstream, maybe still a little bit on the periphery. And I know the hospice locally uses it for some of their patients. So it, it'd be quite interesting to see how Qigong kind of, or what is it probably, and kind of how does it fit into the fitness space, wellness space, that kind of activity space and trying to keep healthy.
2: Yeah, so Qigong has been around for thousands of years. It's standing the test of time, much like the yoga. Um, yoga was popularized very quickly. Um, and, it, you know, 20, 30 years ago, yoga was kind of a hippie thing to do. It um, wasn't very cool. Uh, and suddenly it is the in thing. It's got its own brand of clothing all over the world. You know, yoga mats, yoga this, yoga that, and uh, loads of different styles of it. Um, and I think Qigong is probably where yoga was uh, about 20 years ago, but it's on a faster trajectory. We've got social media, we've got things to really push it forwards now. And um, I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about it in the coming years. Uh, and it's really exciting for me because it's so accessible and, it, and it's actually really good fun. Um, and for a lot of people that I teach it to, they, they actually think it's simpler to learn um, than yoga. So it's easier, it's more accessible, which is why in, in the last year in lockdown, it's kind of blown up for me and been such a, such a great business. But essentially, it's it's life force practice. Qi is energy. Um, However you want to look at that, uh, you know, it's the electricity that flows through our body. It's our magnetic field. It's our our life force, combination of all those things that make you you. Um, And then uh, gong means practice or skill. So it literally means energy skill, energy practice. Um, And it's very, very similar to Tai Chi. In fact, Tai Chi is a form of Qi Gong. Qi Gong tends to be more singular, singular movements put together to, to influence the way your energy feels. Whereas Tai Chi is longer sequences, often almost like a choreography um, and, and a dance move almost. Uh, so that's what you'll typically see people kind of doing in parks is often Tai Chi. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it fits into the well being space, the fitness space so well. Uh, well-being wise, it's that breath work, um, the works on calming the body, getting you into more of a relaxed state, helping people when they're stressed out, things like that. But from a more physical side, I've just finished teaching um, an animals class, which is very dynamic. Everyone is very, very sweaty at the end of that class. Um, and you work different different muscle groups, but at the same time as focusing on the internal health of the body. So it's not just I'm working my my legs or my biceps. I'm working those, but I've also got an, uh, a stimulus on an organ or an emotion um, and on releasing certain certain things from the body. So... Um, it definitely falls falls into both uh, both those categories of kind of fitness wellness, um, and it's going to be really fun. You know, people starting to get into that over over the coming years, I'm sure. Yeah, one of my oldest
0: friends from school is well, he was a teacher, and he moved into acupuncture. Um, he loves all he loves anything that derives from um, you know kind of the Far East in terms of practice and the mind and how it links with the body and I went for a session last year I've actually had two of them uh, just just to try it out in terms of acupuncture but the link between the physical and the mental was really interesting and I started reading a little bit about it as well and I think one of the things that was of interest in research and qigong which you know I, I, I'll be honest I hadn't heard of and I messaged Paul I was like what, what, what's this what's this thing <laughs> um I was down the rabbit hole straight away and it was really of interest and I not we'll move we'll move on to talking about the thing itself and the benefits mentally and physically but one thing I did find out as an aside is in Mandarin and other Chinese dialects there is no translation of the word the the letter Q into English and I looked into this thinking, Okay, I don't want to come on a podcast pronouncing qigong or, you know, it, it, pronouncing it wrong. And I think qigong is probably the closest we'll get. But even that's still quite off. It's it's a, it's a different sort of sound in the pronunciation. So yeah, th- th- there's no
2: equivalent yeah. to the letter q, which is <laughs> it's very it's much a western fast. way of saying it, qigong. Yeah. <laughs> qigong say yeah, that western way. I mean, so many people so it, it, it always makes me laugh at, at how someone else has translated it We're often like qigong and qigong and and you know that's that's the usual yeah. um but yeah there's there's lots of different different ways of, of saying it typically you'll see it spelled c-h-i as well so chi and that's how we get that pronunciation of qigong for it but yeah it's it's different everywhere everywhere you go and there's lots of different um different names for the same thing as well so um in chinese uh, there's different styles derived from different areas of the country and they'll name it different stuff different things as well um, and a different master will name it a slightly different thing so uh <laughs> i'm still learning all the terminology for it. i'm like hang on, what's this have well, i've not heard of this one before what's going on here and i get down the rabbit hole as well find yeah. some new master i've never heard of and,
1: and so <laughs> so it goes again that's quite exciting though isn't it because it's constantly refreshing relearning sharpening the tools and just kind of developing that skill set moving forwards
2: yeah, I think it's with everything. There's always more you can learn. And Chinese medicine, there's, um, you know, it's it's a never ending, you know, I, I actually started with acupuncture. So I was training to become a Chinese doctor. Um, so I was embarked on a three year degree, um, which I thought cleverly that I'd be able to fit in alongside running my businesses. <laughs> silly, silly me. Um, I spent the first year was actually quite, quite good for me because it was anatomy and physiology, which I love. And it was finding acupuncture points and putting the needles in people and that was the easy bit for me, yeah. and then they handed me in my second year this medical text that was huge, and it was basically like you—it was a text to be able to translate Western medical problems into Eastern medical problems, and I was out of my depth. <laughs> um, within six months, I just—I was just so far behind. But, you know, we didn't have to know it off by heart, but we had to understand a lot about um, stuff that I didn't really you know, i didn't do my research. I should have understood more about what I was going to be embarking on, but. Um, Whilst I was on that course, they taught us some Qigong um, to help keep our energy strong whilst we were treating people who were sick. And I said, like, wow, okay, this is a bit of me now. I like this. This is something I can get on board with. I was already, in my, in my eyes, healing people through movement, being a personal trainer. But now I thought, with this behind me, I could really heal people. It wasn't just about helping someone to lose weight. This is now about helping someone with their mental health, their emotional health, helping someone get to the real depths of the reason why they might be overeating. and and going into that and trying to solve that in a different way um you know it was and it's been hugely hugely powerful
1: so do you do this you said you didn't you've done a group class this evening but do you do this one-to-one as well or do you have like a consultation beforehand especially if you're looking to go deeper so beyond just that physical surface layer do you kind of have those one-to-one consultations to kind of dive in a little bit deeper and then push into different areas
2: yeah, I mean, I started doing a mixture of stuff. So some of it's, a lot of it has been on Zoom over the last year. But before that, I do weekend retreats where we do like two or three days of Qigong on with a small group. I do one-to-ones. Um, you know, the small groups of uh, five or six are, are really great to get to grips with. Um, you know, spending four or five days with them and, uh, you know, really helping them to move things through and having one-to-ones throughout that was, was really great. Um, and then in the last year, obviously, everything's changed. So I, I was really lucky. All my gyms closed. And I'd always taught Qigong a little bit here and there, but I'd never focused on it. Um, but I thought, right, in lockdown, what am I going to do? Do I go in the rat race with every other personal trainer and go on <laughs> Zoom and go on Instagram and try and fight? Or do I do I go back? Okay, I've got this niche thing here um, that I can start to promote. And I've got a really good friend who is a Chinese doctor. She's got an online um, brand um, called the Heyu Method, which is all about kind of healing through Chinese medicine tools. So Gua Sha tools um, and self-massage and breath work and things. And... She was teaching some very basic Qigong and asked me if I could step in and teach some classes for her because they needed to, people needed to go to the next level and she just didn't have the knowledge. And within uh, two weeks, I had a waiting list of about 100 people and it just spiraled from there. And wow. testimonials, you know, after everyone was telling everyone about this, the first lockdown was tough on a lot of people and everyone was telling their friends, I found this new thing, I'm sleeping better, my stress is gone, I'm not worried about everything else that's going on in the world. And it just grew and grew and grew. It's crazy because I think I'm naturally a skeptical person.
0: I'm very open to experience and very open to to new things, and I'll not rule anything out, but I'm in the same way skeptical and I need to be convinced by something. And going back to the acupuncture thing, I never, you said the word niche. You know, everyone's skeptical, it's like, oh, it's just nonsense. that's just you know kind of mumbo jumbo that's not what normal people do but having a conversation with michael my friend and he actually laid it out he says this yeah i understand that but this is the theory behind it and looking at the theory behind it and which bits affect which other bits and i think it's kind of in acupuncture which you'll know if you study it's kind of upside down so to affect the face you go down into the legs in certain channels if you if you want to cure something in the throat you'll measure from the feet up the distance from the top of the head to the throat and I was like actually that's fairly solid after looking into it and that kind of makes sense and is quite logical after looking at everything and it made me want to this was kind of this was last year it made me want to explore a little bit more about these mystical arts as people would see them as and i think one of the things that we were keen to do is to not just be pigeonholed we've probably said that word multiple times in every episode so far paul You probably agree but we want to try and yeah we want to try and just explore as much as possible about human nature human activity and ways of
1: being better yeah, it's not just about going to the gym to lift weights or going for a run. There are multitudes of different ways of exercising or being healthy. And going back to your point with regards to scepticism, I think if something's been around for 5,000 years, there's, there's, some, there's something there, isn't there? Let's be honest. And the same with acupuncture. And I think you kind of have to go, okay, just because these are my assumptions, because this is my, let's say, westernized mind. There's a lot of people that have invested a lot of time in this let's be open-minded and kind of dive into this so it's interesting you said you had a waiting list really quickly now i'm going to make an assumption and, and feel free to shoot me down this but i'm guessing 80 85 90 percent of that was probably female as opposed to men yeah, yeah and
2: mostly uh 50 plus yeah yeah it was just um they were you know for, they were there with the kind of demographic that were engaged in maybe my uh, friend Katie, but also in looking after them how, their health. You know they had things going on. They weren't necessarily people who wanted to go to the gym. They didn't have any gym equipment at home or any equipment at all, really, yoga mats or anything. And it's super accessible and, and really easy. And you know, it, as you said, Sean, it, it, it makes sense. Right? It, like when you start to look into it, it just yeah. starts to make sense. Like and it explains things in a different way. It explains things in a way that you can look to heal yourself instead of going to your doctor and going please help me help me Chinese medicine would say no the other the other way it would say no I'm going to assist you to help yourself a lot of people go to their GP and go just I need you to give me a pill to make me better Mm. and you know that's what that's what the 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 vision is often um, of what people are looking for now Chinese medicine is assisting you in healing yourself and so it tries to simplify things as much as possible so you understand what might be going on internally so that you can go through the motions to to, to do that. And so the people who are engaged in Chinese medicine often know that, um, and then, and then in, in alternative therapies, often looking for that, something different, but that's a minority. Majority of people want someone to give them the answer and tell them exactly what to do. Chinese medicine can't do that. It's assisting people in, in healing themselves. I think that's that, um, that part that's come through. And then there's that
1: trust part of that, that, that has to go with that. Yeah, for sure. And have you found the longer you've done it, so the, has, the, has that waiting list changed shape for one of a better description? Has the demographic changed? Has the, the gender and the age changed?
2: Yeah, we've, um, we've opened it up a little bit more. It seems we've got more people of, of a variety of ages and, and more men involved, particularly husbands of wives who've been doing it for a long time and have been bullied into it. Um, but yeah, they've, they've, they've probably seen their wives doing this religiously. Like it's become a daily practice for a couple of thousand people that I've taught over the last year. And they, honestly, they said, the testimonies they sent through, are like, I'm, I'm feeling like a different person. And all you've taught them to do is is breathe and move their body in different ways. Um, and so that has spread that way. Now, it's slowed down a little bit because obviously lockdown has ended and people haven't got the access to their gyms again. But it is still slowly growing, not at the same rate that it was. But that that interest is still there. And, you know, we're really lucky that we have, zoom and social media and stuff that helps us to keep pushing that message out and i've literally teaching people all over the world and i'm not sure sometimes that people even understand what i'm saying because of the language barriers but they can just follow the movements and they yeah. can follow the breath and they're still getting huge benefits from it and that's that translation of it
1: and isn't it nice that they've adopted it into a daily routine so it's no longer so things that we've spoken about in other podcast it's that right I, I must go to the gym i must go and do this as opposed to it just becoming and i'm going to repeat things you said before just like cleaning your teeth you know uh, that's what i do this time of day because now this is part of who of what i do to help me moving forward
2: yeah massively it's the, it's the accessibility of qigong you don't need any equipment really. I mean, there's some forms that you might want to uh, go down the floor. So you might want a mat, but predominantly it's a standing practice. It's breathing and moving your body. So, so you, and a sequence might just be 10 minutes, might be an hour long, might be 90 minutes long, but you can get away with just 10 minutes every day and you'll get a massive benefit from that. Um, and, or you can take, you know, do a few minutes here and there throughout the day and still get that benefit. So it's making it really easy for people. And I'd say the majority of people do a 25 minute sequence every day, every morning they get up and they do a routine, which I've taught them and they know the days they haven't done it. One of the things about often going to the gym, as a personal trainer, I've known it for years, is that people go to the gym, they often get pushed quite hard on the first couple of sessions. They feel really sore, and then they start to build up a negative uh, a negative connection to it. Yeah. Qigong, immediately after the session, you feel good, and you start to maybe sleep better within just a few days. And so it's all positives, and it's really, really mm-hmm. easy to do, and it doesn't feel like much of a chore, and they haven't even had have to leave their house. So you've just gone positive, positive, positive straight away. And and you know it creates very little barriers as to why you wouldn't want to do it.
1: Can anybody do it? So say say if I wanted to get Amy my wife and Toby my 10-year-old son say, right, we're gonna sit down with Aaron tonight and we're gonna go through it. Is it that accessible?
2: Anybody can do it. There's not really any contraindications. There's certain forms you wouldn't want to do if you're pregnant because we talk about moving a lot of energy. You wouldn't want to store a lot of energy towards uh, towards the stomach area for that, but everyone can do it. People, it's it's life force practice. So people are doing qigong until their dying day. You know, movement and breath is is such a basic, um, a basic part of of being being human.
1: Because that that inclusivity just breaks down so many barriers. You know, oh, you need to be eighteen to come in the gym and lift the weights, or you've got to go to this specialist class, or oh, I don't want to go in there because everybody's really intimidating. This just seems really inviting. And if you can kind of get past that first mental barrier, going, what is this weird stuff? Actually put that to one side and go, this is going to help me. Let's, let's, let's dive in.
0: I think there's quite a lot of that this is weird stuff that puts yeah. people off. I think that this is weird stuff is a thing. Well, we, we know yeah. it is. It is, a, it is a thing. If you don't have an open mind and you're not, willing to move past that you're probably not never going to do it because you've been conditioned by we're not even talking about the fitness world here we're talking about like life and sleeping and being awake and happy and comfortable we're not we're not talking about fitness in the sense that you know you're going to be sick and to a bin after you've done a workout We're we're talking about what it is to be a human who is experiencing the world in a pleasant way. And a lot of people
2: can't get past that point. Strange, isn't it? People want to often have something wrong, a reason not to do Uh, do what they're able to do.
0: Yeah. Imagine, imagine a world where everyone, (laughs) nobody had anything wrong with them. Imagine, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Paul wouldn't have a job, but. You
1: know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People still break their yeah, leg. <laughs> still yeah. injure if themselves. That's, That's fine. True. So okay, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna circle back to the barriers bit. And because you do something else, you do a group called icebreakers, don't you, where you go cold water swimming or freshwater swimming. And that is predominantly chaps, isn't it? it's staffed off as, as men. I don't know if you still have if you have ladies coming in now as well. But part of that is you do a Qigong session don't you to certainly post and pre-dipping is that right so that's a lot of chaps coming along how did they find it
2: so uh, yeah we set up ice breakers in the uh, in between the lockdowns last year so it's been going for almost a year now um, a good friend of mine Tim who uh, runs a, a, a retreat camp called Camp Well in, in Winsley he and I run retreats together and things and we we both had friends who committed suicide in the last couple of years, um, predominantly young farmers, um, but you know, good friends of ours who uh, we sometimes wish we could have done more for. And we knew that in lockdown, there was a lot of guys struggling. People have reached out to me through, through some stuff that I do anyway. So we thought we'd, we'd bring the cold water therapy that Tim and I would do on our retreats to, uh, to a larger group. So we invited a load of guys down and we started with just six or seven of us and now on our WhatsApp group, there's about 75, 80 guys who live in the local area who dip in and dip out at different days. So we do our Wednesday worship and our Sunday service. Uh, so, uh, so And uh, every now and then we'll do what we call our baptism. So we'll get new guys in and we'll teach them some of the breathwork techniques. We'll do some cold water swimming and then I'll teach them some basic Qigong qi techniques to warm themselves up and to get their energy flow. And uh, yeah, the first couple of times it was looked upon quite strangely. <laughs> um, everyone kind of did it because of the situation we were in. Um, you know, we were still on a riverbank and it was pretty cold and they needed to warm up. So they just trusted in me. But they then started doing it when I wasn't there. And that was the turning point. When they were doing it when I wasn't there, then they felt more comfortable doing it. And it, and it started to then make the other guys feel comfortable doing it because it was then self-led. And, you know, I think all my time through teaching Qigong, the reason why I seem to get more engagement than a lot of other Qigong instructors out there is because um, I'm just a normal guy. <laughs> I play rugby. I go to the pub and drink with my friends at the weekend. I'm a personal trainer, you know. Probably the way I look—I'm six foot two, weigh about 102 kilograms. I'm not what you would establish, what you would say as a typical qigong instructor. Which often in in, in the world are quite you know are older guys, um, and they dress in the, the full qigong robes and stuff. And immediately, it's kind of slightly off-putting. I'll just wear my normal gym gear. I'll teach a class. Mm-hmm. I kind of know because of my gym background what people are looking to feel. I know that I have to make those kind of people feel something in the first 20, 30 minutes, or I've lost them. And I need to make it fun and I need to make it engaging. Um and so I've used my my you know 15, 16 years of 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 knowledge to make something that I think is um a bit more engaging than your standard Qigong class, which often the first thing you'll do is stand like this for 20 minutes, stand with your arms in a circle of motion. And if you're into qigong, that feels amazing and you understand it. But someone coming in and standing in what's called a standing pillar pose for 20 minutes just makes their arms hurt and they just don't get it and they can't stop the chatter in their brain and again it becomes a negative mm. connection and they, don't, they just don't get into it.
0: I think that was one of the things that i would written down on my quite sparse bit of paper because I've had things in my head was you're obviously not just a one-trick pony and obviously not just a Qigong coach, trainer, what, what's the term?
2: Guru, ah, a <laughs> someone called me a master the other day, but master. I can't claim <laughs> as a master yet. So I'll be someone's master, but I'm not quite the master level. Yeah. yeah,
0: you've got to take that though. If someone calls you a master, you've got to take it. <laughs> um, but it's obvious that's not the only thing that you have. Obviously, there's the um, the cold water swimming, the you know the Wim Hof uh, method stuff. There's the shall we say conventional training, <laughs> pull-ups, dips, you know, yeah. running, etc. How do, do you, it goes back to a thought that I had before when you mentioned in terms of the people sort of 50 plus coming along to do the, the Qigong. What was their fitness or training background? Did they have any? Was it quite diverse? Did you get people who were, they were into the training? Did you have people who have never done anything and needed a way to overcome, let's say, a health condition or something like that? And how how do you blend? Sorry, there's loads of questions here, by the way. How do you blend all of those things and also people's individual needs as a PT to get them the outcome that they need? Because everyone has a a different starting point and
2: everyone has a different outcome. Yeah, I mean that's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and remember it as I go through. But we um from the Qigong side of things, uh, when people came to me for Qigong in the last year, it's been predominantly for health issues. They needed a, a um some way of keeping themselves moving when they've got poor joints or there was you know, a lot of mental health issues. Um, you know, people who couldn't sleep very well. They typically come to Qigong because, you know, they needed some some relief from from pain or something like that. Um, but over the over the year that's that's developed and they've moved from a, a style of qigong i teach style called the 12 rivers in chinese medicine there are 12 main organs so you do one move 12 moves so one move for each of those organs in a very specific order in order to make sure the energy is flowing freely around the body whilst doing those movements you're realigning posture you're releasing tension in the body you're making people more flexible you're working on the breath And you've got all these internal organ massages going on as well. So you can have a huge, huge effect on the way someone feels very quickly with this sequence. And after most people repeating that for a few months, they were then ready to do something more dynamic. And they came to then do a uh, series of moves, which is called the five animals. Um, And that's what I was just teaching earlier. It's a more dynamic form. There is a huge number of variations of all the moves. You can make them harder or you can um, make them easier, depending on your fitness level. It was just people who had to get the trust in me of doing the 12 hours and then feeling better and their joints already getting stronger to then go into the more dynamic style. There was a lot of resistance when I first started teaching the dynamic style. It took me a long time to convince people. I did a lot of free sessions to show them actually it's okay. And, and now they love it. Um, you know, Some of them obviously go much harder than others. And the people who tend to push themselves harder in those classes are people who have come from sporting backgrounds or have done a hit class in the gym quite regularly. They, but they, they've replaced their hit class with the, with the animal Qigong and they find it just as good if not better because of that extra internal work and believe me with the, with the animals it's, it's linked to Kung Fu you can really push yourself with it I've got some of the guys in the gym to do it before and they were surprised actually at what I was teaching they just thought it was a bit of breath work and some wax on wax off Mr Miyagi stuff <laughs> that's
0: the perception that people have isn't it that, that's all oh, wax on wax off but actually try it actually give it a go and i think a lot of the the people who started out with you because they had health issues you know people who didn't have a gym background didn't have an active background maybe i'm you can correct me if i'm wrong there the fact that they stuck with it for the first few months through what people within the fitness world would consider not really very much in terms of the stimulus to get to the bit that is a bit harder I suppose it's testament to the fact that they were seeing benefits from that lighter touch, if you
2: like. Yeah. I mean, I think I said, if you start really hard with people, it just builds up barriers. You know, It's painful and I don't want to do it. And one of the the reasons why I found Qigong so powerful for me, as a personal trainer, when I first came out of personal training college, uh, they basically taught you to beast your clients. The harder you work someone, the more calories they burn, the better results they'll get. Which in some respects is kind of true, but in so many respects, it's not because I'm not working with athletes. I'm working with an average person most of the time who has got a family, who's stressed at work, who's got everything else going on, not sleeping well, got a poor diet. So if they come to me and I beast them, um, over a couple of weeks, they'll still get results, but they'll actually start to diminish in other areas so their sleep will worsen, they might be getting weaker, they might have an injury they picked up. Often what I noticed was people were just not turning up to sessions because the thought of coming to see me after work had built up so much anxiety for them. They would just cancel. They would just make an excuse, say something happened because they didn't want to come see me. And I don't blame them because in my naivety, I was, I was just punishing them and they didn't want to come for that. And, you know, in our Western terms, it's no pain, no gain. They know they've got to do it like that. So they were in a constant battle with me and themselves and, and what society was telling them to do. Um so... Over the years, my softer approach, taking people on and bringing them into Qigong. and So often with a new client, one-to-one, I'll start with breathwork. I'll ask how they're feeling. How's your digestion? How's your sleep? The first session, we do some gentle movements, get their body going, and then I teach them a load of breathwork to go home with. Then the next session, we advance it. And I combine a bit of personal training stuff, you know, your standard gym stuff that we need. You know, They still need pull-ups and mm. rows and deadlifts and stuff like that. I think that's all really important still. But I'll add that Qigong aspect in and a lot, a lot of the stuff that I get people to do at home will just be a morning routine and an evening routine which features breath, work and Qigong. Start and end your day on a really positive note and then that softer approach is why people seek me out. It's why people tell their friends about me. It's why mm. I feel like I've been so successful.
0: Do you get some people come along who are, what the hell's this?
2: I came along to work out rather than breathe. Yeah, I mean, we, we live in, in terms a terms very yang culture. Everyone wants wants to feel something, they want something now and they want uh, a result right now. And if they don't feel like they've had a workout in that first session, they haven't got that result. But in that first session when I'm making them breathe and do some Qigong movements, they're a bit skeptical. But when they, uh, when they sleep better that night, they text me the next morning and they're often like, okay, now I do understand what we've done here. And it, it, you know, I hope that I'm explaining it to them in, in the right way that they trust in, in what I'm doing. And they hopefully have heard from someone else um, that this is the way I do it. And that's... That's why they've come to me. So they're already hopefully over some of those barriers anyway.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because you look at anything that requires teaching. When you start at school, you start with the basics. If you start to learn a musical instrument, you start with the basics. I'm going to go to PT. I'm going to thrash you. Forget the (laughs) basics. I'm just going to absolutely destroy you. And I'm going to feel really superior about it and say, yeah, I really piece it then. Instead of laying the foundations and just gradually building. And I hope people are starting to find that that's not happening because I think that's a big barrier for people actually exercising. Mm. Because of that fear, oh, I'm going to feel like everything's going to ache for four or five days. I can't do anything. Why do want to go back and do that? Whereas that softly, softly approach, it just sort of puts the breadcrumbs out, doesn't it? and follow on to get to the, to the gingerbread house and kind of enjoy that. Have you found... You've got two younger brothers, haven't you, Aaron? Yeah. Have they kind of gone, oh, I'm super sceptical, what is he doing now? And kind of gone, oh, actually, I'll, I'll have a nibble and, and have a go at this. They've both had a little go. I mean, they both like <laughs>
2: it, but they're not they're not into it enough, you know? And I think it's one of those things, I'm the older brother. Do they want to listen to me? it's <laughs> probably, yeah, probably not. <laughs> not really. I mean, I actually put my mum and dad on my course over Zoom when I was in lockdown. And... they both really enjoyed it. They haven't really kept it up because they're people that need someone there to do it with them every day. But um, my dad said, um, in particular, it took him three days to get over the fact it was my my son telling him what to do over Zoom. And then once he finally got over that a little bit, he kind of got into it a bit more and he relaxed and he really did enjoy it. And, um, you know, he saw that this group of people that that, um, I was answering questions to and the way that I delivered it and the way I conducted myself. And I think, you know, he was obviously quite proud at that point as well, which changed the mindset. But he said, he definitely resisted it for at least three days of the five day course. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a bit different with, with with family, but yeah, a lot of my friends are are slowly coming into it. You know, I've been doing this really in quite a big way online now for the last 18 months. And people have gone, okay, he's still making some money on this. He's still got people following him, there must be something in it. And they're they're all buying into it. And um, I was away on holiday, I talked to my friends out there and they loved it. Um and my girlfriend does it with me, but every time that I, I do it, she goes, oh, I really must do this more. I forget how good I feel afterwards. And then she won't do it again until I teach her the next time, even though she's got, you know, the material that I've given her to do it by. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think there's, the, part of the reason why is the mentality of my brothers and, and probably my girlfriend is their workouts are calories out, versus calories in, and they want gains in the gym. That is, and the mindset of my friends. Whereas, the older generation are kind of past that now. They just want longevity. They want their body to work longer for them. And that's one of the reasons why I love Qigong so much. I used to lift quite a lot of weights, play rugby. So until I was about 26, 27, I, you know, I was lifting a hell of a lot more than I do now. But I was sore all the time. Mm. And I was bored of being sore all the time. And I thought, actually, I want to become more flexible. And I want to be able to still lift those weights. I don't need to lift them that heavy. I just want to enjoy my body more. And I want it to last way into the future for me but, but you you're still you know
0: you've got muscle <laughs> <laughs> you can tell there you, you're still a specimen shall we say <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that's what helps with the convincing people that Qigong's okay I probably lift weights two, two three times a week but I do Qigong five days a week. that's my balance and I still run um, you know I haven't played rugby because of, because of lockdown but I'm going to be playing rugby again this season even though I qualify as a vet now, uh, I'll get roped into playing with the, with the first team. But, you know, I I, I like I, I enjoy doing aspects of everything. I like lifting weights. It's something I enjoy. It's not for everyone, but I know, I know the benefit on my body. But I can get the benefit I need from that for two or three days a week and the stuff I need on my, on my mental, um, physical and emotional health from Qigong the rest of the time. That's I think a nice balance.
1: That, long, that, long, that longevity, I think as you get older becomes really important yeah. and that desire to be able to just keep doing is get older. Yeah, I, certainly for me, that's a, that's a big driver for exercise is not getting overweight, not being able to, to do the things I want to do. I want to better run around with grandchildren should they ever come along. You know, that's, that's really important.
2: Yeah, I think so. And now you and know, I, I know you do a lot of training yourself um, and, you know, You've ch- you would have changed how that training looked over the last ten years, probably. You know, you, you don't want to be sore every day. You don't want to feel the, the aches and pains, or feel inflexible, or feel that stiff back because you've done too many deadlifts again. You know, it's, it, it, yeah, yeah. I love a deadlift, but I have you know, I want to make sure as much as possible that, I, that I'm that I'm balanced in, in what I do, and that I can and therefore I can enjoy it, and then I have a healthy relationship with it. All.
0: But I think the important point there is let's just focus on the deadlift. That's not just all you do. You do so much else. Yes, you might deadlift. But yes, you might do some Qigong. Yes, you might do some cold water sub immersion work. You know, you do some pull ups, you do some running, you do whatever you think is right for you to I don't know whatever it doesn't matter what your goal is. Like Paul just said, you know, about longevity and being capable for as long as possible. I mean, that that me and Paul talked about this in our first episode. That's our goal. You know, as, as parents, as old men, <laughs> not old, but you know, older, yeah. um, it, you get a sense of your own mortality. Yeah. And I think right. yeah. the more you can do the better in my view.
1: Ironically, I'm probably fitter now than I was when I was playing rugby with you, Aaron. yeah. Um, I probably it's a much smarter probably actually train more now but it's understanding the recovery that sleep that mindfulness and being able to just put the brain in neutral let the day seep away and not carry stuff around I think is really important and I think the fact that you can marry those two things together is so helpful to the people that you, to, you talk to and I think more people would benefit from having that Interwoven into what they do. and uh, Not just, you know, you know, the power lifters that go in and are lifting super heavy deadlifts whilst listening to I'm completely pigeonholing here. Um, you know, <laughs> dark thrash metal from Norway or, or Scandinavia. <laughs> yeah. You know. And actually that's great. That that works for them, but also there are 23, 22 other hours in the day to live through. And it's, it's one thing being set for a certain purpose, but actually to have that balance is, is so important.
2: Yeah, I think in, in, the, in the forms of Qigong that I teach, it's, it's, and Qigong in general, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, it's about finding balance in your body. We get too fixated on doing the one thing very often. We just do our one thing. I just lift weights. I just do cardio. I just do yoga. All of those things create imbalances in other areas. Like, so the style of animals that I teach, each animal, these five animals have different attributes to fitness. So the tiger is all about strength and you do like press-up kind of movements. It's all about tension throughout the body and using your whole body at once. The snake is all about flexibility, moving like water, moving really fluidly with your body. So having that, that um, openness through the hips in particular with that one. The crane is all about balance and poise. You can think about that karate kid kick where he's balancing one leg. That, that's a crane move, but it's that balance, that poise and expansive movements particularly in a Kung Fu nature, that's the kicking game. You have the leopard. The leopard is about agility, speed, being able to change direction quickly and be dynamic. And that's not just in your body, that's also in your mind. Being able to problem solve and and move quickly, that's that's an important part of, of what's going on. That's the connection. And then the dragon is about the cardiovascular health. It's about the heart, the fire of the body, and that heat that radiates outwards. But by doing all these animals, doing them in a balanced way regularly, you're hitting strength, flexibility, balance, agility, and cardiovascular health. It creates balance in your body. Um, you know, and yes, around that, I, I still lift weights. Yes, around that, I still do my running and stuff. But I can literally get everything I need from those, those five animals because it's about balance. And like I say too many of us are just fixated on that one thing that we do. And that's what creates problems. That's what creates if think, injuries. If you think about those
0: five things that you just mentioned, they're pretty much what CrossFit is about you know kind of it, on, on the surface in terms of, you know the flexibility the you know the gymnastics the cardio the strength the mobility they're the same themes you know it's, it's not different and I, and I know it's just come from a different you know this the western versus eastern culture which there's a wall between the two and they don't they don't cross over but actually what you've just talked about there is that yeah absolutely 100% that's what I'm interested in that's what I
2: like to do that's why it's been so successful you know it ticks all the boxes for so many people
1: except for the mental bit perhaps with regards to CrossFit
0: yeah I, th- I suppose it depends how deep you go into CrossFit <laughs> um, if you go deep into the competitive side yes but just using it as a the training method without, as you know, Paul, I've been a member of a CrossFit gym, but I've never done a CrossFit class and I've never gone down that road and still do CrossFit style workouts now, albeit in my garden and out, out the back in the back lane. I've actually seen a massive improvement in my mental health through that. And maybe that's because I don't have
2: the competition element of it. Fitness in general, will, will, you know, will be helping your mental health, but I think you know, CrossFit is part of a big community as well, which is another powerful thing. I mean, my 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 thoughts on CrossFit uh, are up and down. Some days I think it's great. Some days I don't. I mean, I've, uh, but yeah. I think um, on a deep on a deep level, you get the full package. You get the fitness. You get the flexibility. You get all that stuff. But if you're someone dipping in out of a class, there's not always enough focus on the flexibility side of things and those other bits. It's like lift your weight, smash yourself and hit yourself hard most days you know and then and then get out and i think i think you've got all those bits encompassed in there but like the philosophies of some of that eastern stuff coming through it was like guys if you're not feeling up to it today just do that but a slightly gentler version of it <laughs> just yeah. do, that, but do that and then give yourself more stretching time at the end they could both learn you know they could both work together there's if it's true in the east it's true in the west right and yeah, so it's it, just well, about marrying those two things exactly
0: i had a thought earlier which was i think you mentioned something about the the eastern way of thinking different to the western way we're all humans on planet earth, possibly the only like intelligent organisms in the universe. Probably not, but we're all humans. There's seven, 7.6 billion people. Most of them are Chinese, <laughs> um, but we're all just humans. And you know, what works for one human must work for another human, no matter where they live on the world.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I'm going to, Change gears a little bit now, that's right. So recently you've started doing some Wim Hof stuff, haven't you? With the ice baths and cold water immersion for periods of time. And I listened to you on a on a different podcast. And you said at the time there was a lot of similarity in the Qigong and the breathwork and some of the stuff that the Wim Hof method uses. Have you found that quite a smooth transition across?
2: Um, I like the Wim Hof stuff, but um, I think it misses out some bits, some key bits, if I'm honest. Um, and so I like the fact that um, as icebreakers, I was teaching Qigong versions of breathwork and then some Qigong warm-up movements. But the reason why Qigong, uh, why uh, cold step, has become so popular is the Wim Hof method. So we got some instructors in who were trained instructors in, in his methods to teach some people another way because I didn't want to be preaching. I want to be the community where we all learn from each other, not just me telling everyone how to do it. So we're bringing different people in the different skills. And previously I had done a uh, Wim Hof retreat for 10 days um, where we did the ice baths and the breath work. And I liked it. The reason why people like it is because it makes you feel something, these deep, intense breaths. You get this tingliness, this buzziness all over, and that's what gets people hooked. But you can't do that all day, every day. <laughs> you know, you need at least 15, 20 minutes to do a decent Wim Hof session. It's quite intense. It's quite impractical to, to just fit in, I think, for, for a lot of people. So, within that, they're not necessarily been teaching just breathing in and out through your nose the rest of your day, breathing to your belly to do this, Breathe. not teaching people to have a good breathing pattern all the time. It's just putting them into a really good state for 15, 20 minutes, which will have an, uh, a residual effect for a few hours. But what do you do the rest of the time? What are you helping people all the rest of the day? So, the combination of what I do alongside the Wim Hof stuff hopefully has had a bit more of a powerful effect on people. The belly breathing and the, and the relaxed breathing in and out through the nose. It's harder for people to connect with because it doesn't give you that, that intense feeling. But over time, as people get stronger and, and uh, better at doing that and have grow, grow more skill with their breathing apparatus, they'll get a better effect by breathing in subtler techniques than some of the more intense stuff. Um, so I think, they, again, yeah, it, it's, it's super powerful stuff. It's a, I think uh, it's a great gateway for people into more breath work and understanding that breath work is super powerful. But I think there needs to be that next level of actually. There is so much more to it, um, and so much more subtlety that will be more powerful in the long run. Wim Hof is someone who pops up quite a lot on
0: podcasts and YouTube, and you know people reference it quite a lot. What? What? <laughs> what's What's it all about? <laughs> is it just breathing? It's It's something I haven't delved into. I'll be honest, and I. I'm just going to be honest here. I've written it off as just a, someone, Wim Hof, who wants to try and make Wim Hof a brand. I'll, I'm just being totally honest. Here. I haven't looked into it enough to know whether that's true or not. Um, I don't know what your view is, on.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a really charismatic, interesting character. Um, He's super passionate about about what he does. Um, And he's got a great zest for life, which has got a load of people really hooked on what he does. Um, He's rediscovering breathing techniques that have been around for thousands of years. He's put his own twist on some of them, Um, some of the variations of of tumo breathing, which is the Tibetan breathing technique. And then it's combining that with some of the mindset stuff and then the the cold water therapy and the ice baths. And, you know, he's he's broken world records doing the most insane things in extreme cold. Um, And some of the studies done on him um against illnesses they've kind of i can't remember exactly what it was but they injected him with something and they showed his body fought it off very quickly when he was doing the breathing techniques and they said well you're just superhuman he said no give me a, give me 12 people and I'll, and I'll replicate them so like a few days later he replicated the same thing with 12 people doing his breathing techniques so he's got a lot of science behind him a lot of people are doing some studies and that's what's made it so popular and it's again that that energy that comes behind it people do the ice bath, they chant they have a, they start singing they get that camaraderie it's it's um it's been really powerful and he's got it simplified enough for people where you can get his app, or you can do some breathing techniques online um and you do the cold water showers and it's you know it for a lot of people just those two simple things are life-changing yes he's the first one to make it mainstream there's a lot of other people who've been doing it and lots of people doing it in different ways like i say i think there's some some variations on some of those breathwork techniques and things and uh you know there's there's a lot of people are doing it, doing it very well out there. He's just a great face for it and getting people into it. It's like that, again, that, that entry level. And from there, people should start to explore a little bit more. But in terms of what it is, I mean, I'd love to have you guys along to one of our next Icebreakers events where we do the breathwork because I've done quite a bit of it. The guys who, who are part of the Icebreakers, I told them to do the Wim Hof stuff on, the, on YouTube, and they've done it. And it, it takes you to a certain depth. But when you have a room of 20 guys, which we had, 24 guys, we had some good music playing. We had a Wim Hof instructor who was working the room. She's a great um, breathwork practitioner. She's a hypnotherapist. She was really going deep. And um, honestly, it's like everyone's on drugs. <laughs> and people say that at the end. And it's all supposed to be like you have these kind of out-of-body experiences and your whole body goes to vibrations. And I sat up early at the end of the session because I wanted to see how everyone would react because I'd done it quite a lot before. And people were like sat up completely spaced out. And people... And this guy in his mid-50s who had never done drugs or anything before, he's like, is this what drugs feels like? And was asking questions. Like, I just don't know how to explain where I've been for the last 45 minutes, but I feel incredible. And I've been on this incredible journey and I feel like a different person. And that breath work, that deep, heavy, you know, um, deep inhalations in and out and some pauses with the breath. When you do it in a group environment, that energy of all those people and you have a great practitioner, it is Super powerful. And I, you know, I will say it's life-changing for some people and it really opens up new doors and new possibilities of, of what they can do with just their breath and with their body.
0: As, as I mentioned, yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I, I actually like ugh, jumping into cold, cold rivers and seas and stuff. That's, that's fine for me. The whole, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm a cynical person. I'm skeptical about stuff, but I'm willing to to learn and willing to open my mind to get into something. Something that has been mentioned a few times is sleep, in terms of improvements in sleep, and this is a something that hopefully we'll um, cover in future podcasts and sort of look at look at sleep. Even though we're an activity podcast, which you know, sleep is the opposite, <laughs> um, but. Improvements in sleep is a huge thing for people to gain from and people to benefit from. And I don't actually think the world is fully aware of how important sleep is to them. So I'm really interested in the fact that Aaron, you've mentioned sleep probably four or five times in terms of the benefits that you know, people who've, who've come to you and done whatever, whatever, whatever they've done with you, whatever you've programmed or prescribed for them.
2: Why do you think that is? Why do you think sleep has been improved? Reducing stress and reducing that impact of stress on the body through, through the activity you do, through your diet, um, and through the breath and then through the, the environment that you, that you put yourself in. Um, people often actually don't realize how sleep deprived they are. They're just okay. used to functioning on like, 50, 60%, that's their normal. So like, you know, when you suddenly give someone a load more sleep, they're like, oh my God, I feel completely yeah. different. I've got this burst of energy. I feel refreshed. Like Superman. I mean, I sleep, I, yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, I sleep pretty well all the time. I'm out, I sleep straight the way through. Me I too. always try and get that seven or eight hours a night. So, But I know if I've had a night that's been disturbed, I've only got four or five hours, I feel like crap the next day. Yeah. That is a lot of people's norms. They've just got mm. comfortable with that. Yeah. They've just, they just thrive on that, you know, and then what they do is they themselves with coffee and they just put some sugar in and they, and they ride that out they don't know any difference and there's multiple reasons why that why that can happen there might be a trauma that's put them into it a lot of my female clients um have poor sleep because of because of children they've been having woken up since children were young and then always worried about their kids and then even when their kids are like 16 17 and they're out with their friends till late they're like worried for every little sound are they back yet and they just build up this poor poor pattern that, that lasts with them and you know, it's um a massive, massive uh change in, in energy and in, in everything, in digestion, in the way your body feels, in how much weight you can lift and how well you can move your body. Once you start to sleep enough. And um, yeah, I think we all underestimate it. We 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 hold lack of sleep a bit like a badge of honor very often, don't we? We go to work, oh, I only had four hours last night, but I'm on the coffees and I'm back at work and I'm doing it again and yay me. But I'd be embarrassed to tell someone at work that I had a nap for a couple of hours this afternoon. Mm. It's completely wrong. But if you're not getting your seven or eight hours at night, you have to subsidize that with an hour or two in the day. That's just the, that's the way it has to be. You it's, have to get that regular rest.
0: It's, it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> and it's it, Coming back to the, the word normalized, you know, the normalized activity, but also normalizing the fact that you don't have to have a nap during the day because you've had sufficient sleep. You've been able to go to sleep with a rested mind, a rested body, however you do that, and have, I don't know, eight. That's, even for a lot of eight hours is a, is a big stretch for a lot of people. Now let's, let's say seven. I think my average, I think I'm about eight and a half, 8.45. That's kind of my sleep from, a, from a, my Garmin. Um, but it's just normal. It just be, it, it's just normal. It's not something I have to work at or something I have to try to do or put in any effort for. It just becomes the norm. And work I'm doing with, with schools in education is one of the first things I do when I go into school is do a sleep survey of your children within your, in, in your primary school and find out how much sleep they get. And then look at how much sleep an individual child get an individual child gets and then correlate that to how they're performing and the issues that you have with them during the day and how they you know how the how their behavior is. It is <laughs> it's it's just crazy. It's they're like, Imagine. oh okay. Yeah, that's part of the issue. It's mad. Yeah actually.
2: we just don't put two and two together have we? People just don't don't get it. And, um, you know, you talked about your garment that I do, I don't always get my clients to use, um, you know, wearable tech and stuff like that. a lot of people have it naturally. Um, I'm not too worried about how many step counts people are doing so much each day and how many calories they think they're burning doing stuff. But I do love people to know how much sleep they're getting. And, um, particularly a lot of people, uh, you know, drink during the week, they'll have a couple of glasses of wine and I will tell them, right. Okay, I could what you to do, I want you to see your normal pattern for a week and then track your sleep that week. And I want you to not drink for a week and track your sleep. And they're astounded by the difference. Like just two glasses of wine that night and my sleep quality or my, uh, or the way my body recovered at nighttime. I mean, a lot of them do can do your nervous system recovery as well as your sleep length. And it's my recovery is so awful. Just in two glasses of wine. They can't believe it. And I'm like, that is you all the time. You think you've got, you've got poor sleep. You're tired all the time, but you need to have a glass of wine to unwind. You're just doing, you're undoing the cycle for yourself. And, It's that realization that it's like being a massive hitter for people, being like, oh God, I had no idea that it was that bad.
1: Yeah. We see a lot, or I see a lot in in my work in the surgery of people not sleeping well. We talk about sleep hygiene coming off screens, Mm -hmm. lower lights, not having caffeine after three o'clock, avoiding alcohol, making sure you're having plenty of fluids. You know, just simple things that make such a big difference to a quality night's sleep. And actually, just because you're turning the light out at 10 o'clock, you're probably not actually going into a decent sleep to about half past 10. So, whatever time, yeah. So, whatever time you think you're getting, you're probably not getting quite as much. And like you said, there. There, and You know, you get them to do a good week of going to bed early, not having all of those different bits and pieces, and they come back and go, hmm, "I feel pretty good now, actually." Um, Matthew Walker's book is so interesting; it goes really deep into it, and the circadian rhythm and the changes of circadian rhythm through teenagers and adolescents. and it does have such a big impact, especially moving forwards into later life um, brain health. The risk of Alzheimer's, dementia, and those different things, along with your physical health, it is, it's coming back to that total body thing that you were saying earlier. It's not just about one thing or another, it's a holistic picture. Yeah, lifestyle, you know, you get it. That encompasses everything, doesn't
2: it? Lifestyle is that one word that just like, well, it's everything you do 24 7 that's going to have an effect on, on, on how you feel, you know?
1: Very much, very much
0: so. So I'm just I'm just thinking about what we've just talked about. It's it's it's
2: mad. I like the fact that? when you're talking about going into schools. I, I love that. I mean, I do some qigong with kids. Um, I've particularly done it. I did it with a girl who had Tourette's, and teaching her the breathwork techniques massively changed how bad her Tourette's was. Mm. Calmed the nervous system, put it into more relaxed state, so she wasn't kind of fighting that nervous system that that switch. And I mean, it's again, we're going to put a throw out a generalized statement here a bit that. Um, adhd um in chinese medicine terms we call it an overstimulation um and often it's where children are they're they're too stimulated the whole time and therefore they they can't relax but they're and often and in every case that i've seen and looked at every child who has adhd that i've witnessed mouth breathes they breathe in and out through their mouth like an excitable puppy and they go (sighs) that kind of look right and it's That mouth breathing is is keeping them in their sympathetic nervous system state, though it's keeping them agitated. Of course, they can't relax, of course, they can't close, can't quite quiet in their body to be able to focus in school. And Mm -hmm. so many schools who are doing yoga or some breath work or some kind of thing before class are seeing for the next two hours their kids are extremely attentive. These children who you labeled with ADHD or problems, um, attention issues, suddenly they're really attentive. It's like, okay, so. The breath connects with the movement, connects with the sleep, connects with the, the whole system, and that is exactly why, with my clients, I start at the breath.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, just to <laughs> let you know, I'm an education consultant. I work with schools and colleges um, on various different things, and one of the things that I do that I do see and do like to work on is the sleep of sleep of the, the pupils. It's just. It just has such a huge impact. It has such a huge
1: impact, and for the reasons you've just described, it has a big impact on cortisol levels, doesn't it? Yeah. And where people are stressed, and if your normal is super high, then you have to go even higher to try and to come back down. So poor sleep will increase your cortisol levels. Overstimulation does it. Stressing does it. It's just a, a, a big old nasty circle, vicious cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know as cortisol should be
2: highest in the morning naturally waking you up and start to slow down throughout the day as your as your melatonin starts to rise but if that's your cortisol it. is high because you're stimulating the whole time melatonin being a sleep drug that you know it's not gonna be very high so that when you go to sleep you don't sleep very long it's typically poor sleep yes. and you wake up in the middle of the night and you're wide awake that's cortisol kicking in it's like that stress hormone that's going right there's danger somewhere i need to be ready for it and um, and you know it's that you know, that horrible cycle for that we just get into, and people cannot break that cycle unless they make dramatic changes to to the way they breathe and the way they deal with their stress in their day.
0: Yeah, and here's here's the reason why they can't break the cycle. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, linking back to what Paul's just said about Matthew Walker's book. So during the day, we the hormone that triggers melatonin is called adenosine, um, and what happens. When you wake up, your adenosine is effectively zero. And during the day, as you get more tired and you do more things, your adenosine fills up. So the more active you are and the more engaged, let's say, you know, kind of not necessarily physically, but mentally, your adenosine increases. And it's like a cup. So as the adenosine gets to the top of the cup and spills over, that triggers the melatonin, which triggers you to go to sleep. If you have a nap during the day, your adenosine then drops back down the cup and has to build up again, which means if you're sleep-deprived, your natural natural day, Trigger. yeah, your, natural, your triggers will make you more sleep-deprived sleep deprived because you have to have a nap, which lowers your adenosine, which means your melatonin won't kick in as early, which means you're up late, you go to bed late, you sleep less well, You wake up early. It's just disrupted. It's yeah, yeah. And so it continues. Yeah, and so it continues. And that's that's the point. And that is why it it continues. And that is why it's a hard hard thing to break. It's it's
2: not mumbo jumbo as we said earlier. It's it's scientific. And yeah, Yeah. and there's you know there's so many sleep studies done that. And uh, again, I'm going to throw random numbers out here that I'm not really remembering. But there was something like ninety percent of patients who came to see um, a doctor in a trial. Um, who had um, mental health issues such as depression, 90% of them were sleep deprived. Yeah, 90%. I mean, there's no coincidence there. You know, it's uh, if, you're, if you're not having that recovery time, you're going to stay anxious, you're going to stay stressed, you're going to be over-breathing, everything's going to perpetuate you. You just get into that, um, into that pattern. And that then makes other illnesses, you know. People get ill in, in their digestive system, You have IBS symptoms that come from a lot of stress. And it can have an effect on the whole body, um, injuries, lethargy, you know, um, weakness in your muscles, all that kind of stuff, it, it can all come back to sleep and the breath.
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, I think you might even know him, And We're going to have John Sykes on, who is uh, a GP. He goes under the handle of the health and fitness doctor. And we used to work together, and he's, you know, so much, I'm not going to say solved, but so much can be helped by increasing your levels of sleep so many health issues um it's not a cure-all but it does make a big difference to many different things
2: yeah it's just a big part of that that full that full circle and um you know at least if um someone's got something big going wrong but you can help their sleep that can actually help them feel a bit more energetic which in turn can help relieve a bit of pain and it's that knock-on effect of that as well as a number of other things we have to target but it seems to be one of the biggest influences that, that i've found um, in my studies and and with clients is is the, and that's why I've said it so many times in this podcast getting that getting that sleep right and that's why I brought it up and I didn't want it to be
0: the focus of this but you Aaron you you have mentioned it <laughs> a number of times <laughs> and I I took that as something that you'd seen a lot with people and has been a big a big trigger and a big impact and the fact that people have seen better sleep from engaging with you and whatever in, interventions that you've you know prescribed to people be it the qigong be it just standard pt you know or be it you know the the cold water submersion wim hof breathing type stuff it's it's great that they've had benefit from whatever whatever it is and i think that's a theme that we've covered quite a lot it doesn't really matter what you do just do something. Just do something positive and something that's going to benefit you.
2: Something that makes you feel good. Mm. You know That's yeah. again, that, that, that Qigong stuff I said, it's so simple and you feel, you feel good from it. There's no reason why you wouldn't want to do a basic Qigong move a few times a day because there's no reason why you shouldn't. And, uh, and immediately after doing it, you, you feel better. If you've been sat at your desk for a while, there's some simple moves I teach people to get up and release tension and to, to come back to it five minutes later with a clearer head. Yeah, there was a thing I used to, used to do a few years ago.
0: There was an Instagram account called Death of the Desk, which is now called, I think it's now called movement.iq or something like that. But basically it was for office workers who were basically just sitting at the desk all day. And it was things that you can do whilst you're sitting at your desk. You know, Move your shoulders, move your ankles, stand up. You know, look out the window, move around. And I did that at work for people who just sat at a desk all day. And they thought it was great. They loved it. They loved actually, oh, actually, somebody's telling me to get up and stop staring at my screen and walk around, walk down the corridor and back every 20 minutes. And I'm being paid to do this. Hey, that's great. And it actually had a really big impact on like staff morale their focus, their ability to well, their productivity, which was obviously the aim, because you know, as a, mm. <laughs> in management, you just want people to work better. But probably their health as well. We didn't monitor it, but you know, maybe they went, maybe they went home and thought, actually, whilst I'm sitting watching the TV with my TV dinner. I, I don't know whether they had a TV dinner on the knee. Maybe they did, maybe they did. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul's looking away in shame. Um, they might have, some of them did. I know some of them definitely did. But maybe they did move a bit more because of that. Yeah. I think
1: I think you were saying earlier, on. the key is people have come along and they've seen benefit straight away. So actually, if you can see benefit, you're, you've got skin in the game and you're more likely to come back and do it. Uh, and perhaps other things that we've talked about in the past and themes is that enjoyment. Oh, I've enjoyed that. I'll come back and do it. I've seen benefits and I'll come back and do that. And I think that's the same with getting people to move up from their desks that they, they feel that they feel slightly better. I mean, just listening to you talk, I'm intrigued and I I want to go away and kind of tap in tap into what you're doing and, and try it and, and build in, into what I do. Because I can see the benefits of it, I, yeah. I, I shall probably drag my wife and my son into it. I can see Amy doing it, but I'm not too sure Toby would do it. But uh, we'll, we'll give it a give it a try. You just need to push uh, him
0: in, push him into the push him into the river.
1: I'll <laughs> <laughs> about the movement as opposed to the river. He'll be diving in. That's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. um, where can people find you, Aaron?
2: So uh, my Instagram, Aaron Personal Trainer. Uh, my gym in Bath, Tonic, T-O-N-I-Q. and um, Predominantly, I teach Qigong um, for an online company called Heiyu Fit. Um, Heiyu means good health in Chinese. So H-A-Y-O-U, fit. Um, and so we teach all kinds of different Qigong classes for mixed abilities on there. And then, of course, you can come join us outside of the icebreakers if you're a man. <laughs> We're men only at the moment, uh, creating that safe space for guys to talk and uh, and to feel comfortable with that, but we will be running some mixed events. Um, the next icebreakers or the next Wim Hof event, we're doing men only in the morning, and then there's a, a mixed group in the afternoon. So, um, so yeah, welcome to join on any of those. Yeah, definitely. definitely.
0: You've got no excuse, Paul. You're quite near.
1: <laughs> I, I am actually very near, and um, I think it would just be a case of putting my finger out and uh, and coming along. Perhaps one Sunday morning. Cause I think uh, it's, it. it's too late on a Wednesday and usually on my way to work at house. Um, uh,
2: yeah, when, yeah Wednesday is six 30 normally Saturdays, 8am.
1: That's fine. I'm using the garage at, at five on a Wednesday morning. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's my training time. I get up early and get it done out of the way. Um, but Sunday at eight, I reckon I can probably do it. It won't be this Sunday, but, um, maybe a couple of weeks time after I come back from holiday, I will come and find you down at the Weir and, um,
2: any time, Slides and water. Uh, if, you, if you want to try a Qigong class and uh, a more dynamic version of animals, let me know and I'll um, I'll sign you up for for a class next Wednesday evening just before this six till
1: seven, if you free. Yeah, oh, I definitely want to do that. Um, I should be in Wales on holiday next week, but um, perhaps when I come back. So that's interesting because you're saying dive straight into the animal class. So you don't need to you don't need to do the basic starting you can just kind of dive in or you, can, are you, you can just follow along. kind
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know I know you're an active person uh, you can follow along so typically what I, I like people can do a tester and get to know it and I, I at the beginning of the class I would say look if this is new to you don't be afraid to rest take your time listen to your body no one else can see your camera apart from me kind of thing and make sure that everyone feels really comfortable to so just listen to their bodies and do it at their own pace I don't want people to feel really sore the next day because the animals is more dynamic um, but I know uh, I know that you train quite a bit, so you'll be fine with it. There's flexibility bits you might struggle with. And the next thing is if you did enjoy it, I'd say do a course because it, the important thing about the course is it teaches you the details of the moves, but more importantly, why we're doing the movement. So it's not just a press up to work your chest and whatever. Like I said earlier, it's actually going into an organ and an emotion. And we're mm-hmm. trying to release um, uh, that emotion in a very specific way. So you have to get that deeper learning that you won't pick up straight away. I'll talk about it, but you won't, you know, you won't fully get into that um and then uh well the classes and then yeah that'd be a great one just to just to try and see the more dynamic side so you don't just think it's the wax on wax off
1: yeah i i suppose is that like a vinyasa? i'm trying to equate it to the yoga because you know, having said this is probably the next yoga sort of thing coming through is that is it like the, the kind of the busy vinyasas that you would see in a yoga that kind of busy movements. yeah
2: um definitely yeah and and in some respects, I, I talk about it as, as more almost a bit like a Bikram because the format is almost the same every time. So Bikram has the same format and you just do it to different degrees. The format I do is, is pretty much the same every time. Just some of the moves will advance or vary and I'll add a new few moves in. But We have this, we have like a base that everyone knows and can do and you get used to that. So instead of it changing all the time, you get used to those movements and you get yourself deeper into them and you can then control the body more, the breath more and, and learn to enjoy it. Um,
1: Hopefully. And how much space do you
2: need? Space for a yoga mat. You know, that's about it, really. Twist, swing your arms on a yoga mat. Uh, oh, again, over, over time, you would you would want more space, like outside, to do more dynamic because the, the animals move. The animals are expansive, so they walk and they crawl and they, you know, a bit. It, kind of like primal movement patterns. Yeah, bear crawls? Um, well, no, sadly not. They're not in there. No. Okay. <laughs> but they're more <laughs> but they're more into uh, more into a Chinese medicine. Uh, okay, more, sorry, more into qigong and then looking at just pure fitness. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just another great way to move the body, but with a deeper level to it.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I'm in. Thank you very much. I'm in. Good stuff. Great. Thanks a lot. That was brilliant. Thanks, guys.